Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Gen X pro tip. <laughs> you want a book written about your life? Write it your fucking self. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Jen, 1977 and 1974 are so fucking far away now. I know. It's crazy. Somebody was saying, I saw a meme that's like, when you think 20 years ago, you think it was the 80s. It's not. It was the 90s. It was the 2000s. It was the aughts. It was the aughts, right? Oh my God. Like, no, I had to give, I had to give my birthday. I had to give my birthday at like, you know, you go to the doctor's office and that's how they like validate your, and like my, my doctor's office is in our larger office. It's like a bunch of kids like working at the desk. I mean, they're probably in their thirties, right? Mm -hmm. But like, you know, they, you give your birthday and you could tell they're kind of like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Or did you see the meme that's like, it shows the prize wheel from Price is Right, and it's yes. like how I feel when I have to scroll down to my birth year. That's so accurate. <laughs> I just feel like, holy shit. And I don't know about you, but because of the pandemic, 2020 and 2021 just Vaporized. blurred together. Vaporized. It's but like they... I didn't... I'm always like, oh, I was there a year ago, but like I'm, I'm eliminating 2020 and 2021. So I was yes. there in 2019. Yes. Yeah. It's yep. so fucking weird. weird. Like, time has just disappeared. Um, guys, I just want to let you know that we were calling this episode that we're doing today, which is Season 6, Episode 11, Arthur, Arthur. That's what I is, thought it was called. It is Author, Author, which I suspected, and Jenny shot me down. I didn't know what it was about. Like, I thought maybe his name was Arthur. Did you think maybe they were on. banging and she was yelling out, Arthur, Arthur, in ecstasy? I, thought, I have no idea what was happening. <laughs> I had no idea what it was about. Okay. All right. So anyway, Wait, guys. Can we, can we discuss something, though? Yeah, happened? go ahead. I think I'm actually getting worse at cooking. <gasps> I didn't wow. even know that was possible. I, okay. I burnt a frozen pizza the other night. How do you burn a frozen pizza? You, you forget you're cooking it. <laughs> well, first you put it in, and you're like, this is going to take too long. So then you take it out, and you microwave it. And then you put it in, and you, you don't realize you only need a little tiny bit of time then. And then it burned. Okay, let me ask you a question, because th- you're touching on something here with me. I also burnt toast this morning. Okay. Burnt toast. I 
I have this underlying fear. And guys, save this recording for posterity in case we need it. (laughs) I have this underlying fear that I'm going to die by doing something real stupid that I forget. Like, I'm going to forget I have something on the stove and burn my house down. Or I'm going to forget, you know, to, I don't know, turn my car off in the garage. Like, something real weird. Did Timmy build your house with like lighter fluid soaked beams of wood like how fast do you think your house is gonna go up i don't know i just feel like i'm noted like so for for our kids my kids like they're used to being distracted that's how they have lived their whole lives Mm -hmm. but for us i feel like we're we notice it because it's new to us i don't know if that's true i'm always distracted Right, but... I live in a constant state but of But doesn't it bother like, you? No. And I feel like that's because I live in New York City. I feel like since I moved to the city... Maybe. Because con- you just have constant, like, stimulation, right? Like, it's constant. So, like, yeah. it, it doesn't phase me as much. I feel like when I lived in Pennsylvania and I had kind of, like, you know, like, quieter life, I noticed yeah. it more. You're right. But it really bothers me. Like, and it I'm wasn't really even that distracting then. I'm really freaked out by it. Because I'm like, I'm going to do something stupid, and this is how I die. Okay. So, Jenny, when I burn my house down with me in it, please play this recording at my funeral. Great. And Let's then play start. No Hard Feelings by the Avid Brothers. Okay. All right. Okay. Get on that. So, let's, let's get started. Guys, it's Wednesday before Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, your Thanksgiving dinners will be over. We hope you had a good holiday. Um, I'm doing my dinner, apparently, by myself, because Jenny's not showing up till like, noon. I'm... Are you cooking before noon? Um, yeah, I can start prepping and getting shit ready. Well, what time do you want me to take a bus at? 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. I'm going to be nice company <laughs> at 6 a.m. I don't even think there's, I think there's an 8.30 bus. I think there's one slightly earlier. What time are you leaving on Monday? Like one. Guess who's going to be home with you on Monday? Who? The girls. Oh, boy. It's going to be you and the girls and Arlo I don't know what what I was just telling you. Do you really want me? Where's mom? Get mom to help you. I can't cook. No comment. (laughs) No comment. I can't. Timmy will help me. I had to throw away toast. Timmy's a very good cook. He'll help me. It was black, like burnt black. Okay. All right. All right, Jen. So today we're covering season six, episode eleven. Author, author, which is the dumbest title, and that's why no one can remember it. So this is written by the Rochellas and directed by Claxton. The description reads, When Mary becomes pregnant again, Caroline's parents arrange a visit to witness the birth of their great-grandchild. Unfortunately, when her mother dies en route, Caroline is left to deal with her father, Frederick, who now feels emptiness and meaninglessness. Jenny, the title of the father's book is My Book of Memories. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't we title the episode that? Or a remembrance book. Yeah. Or a book Fucking anything. <laughs> um, also, a lot of inconsistencies here. Like, Mary's just suddenly pregnant. Okay, we skipped some episodes, though. We only Didn't skipped we? one episode. So that obviously was the episode that they announced Maybe. that. It, but do you know what, ha- you see what happens, though? Like, she's clearly, like, nine months pregnant, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, is that correct? Yeah, she's at least eight. So, but then they, they like, go through time very quickly. They're like, three mm-hmm. weeks later, mm-hmm. four weeks later. And I'm like, Mary still hasn't had this kid. I wrote that in here, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I read somewhere that Michael Landon wanted each episode to be self-contained. But, like, I but don't he, know. He, he hasn't could be consistent. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't that. know. 
All right, Jim, we open up on Pa arriving home. One of my favorite scenes. You know this. This trope never gets old. He comes down the driveway. Carolyn runs out. The practically driveway. humping him against the team. I don't know what's happening. Every run, everyone runs out to greet him. And Jen, he bought a new plow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And a telegram from Carolyn's mother. They are coming to visit from Wisconsin. They want to see their first great-grandchild. Now we see, oh, wait, and I'm thinking to myself, so wait a minute. Laura says the last time she saw these people, they were in the big woods. The big woods. And they were infants, Laura and Mary. They were children. They were children. They weren't infants. So they've never seen Carrie, and they've never seen Grace, but they have no interest in coming to see them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So now we see Mary and Adam, and Mary's very pregnant. I wrote, whoa, when did this happen? I'm like, we missed something. (laughs) Adam is teasing Mary and telling her the twins run in his family, and she's like freaking out. I hate any scene with her. Any scene with her. So I have the fear of multiple births is real. Aim, thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. Don't forget, though, the way that I found out I was pregnant. I found out I was pregnant. I was already 10 weeks along. And then I found out I was having twins two days later. So I didn't have that. I didn't have time to sit around and worry that I was going to have twins. I pretty much knew right away. Well, that was the best call. Mom said she almost collapsed on Graham's floor. Didn't you call her and she was at Graham? Yeah, I called her screaming, crying. (laughs) And she thought something was wrong. Yeah, yep. Good times. Like, oh, I'm having twins. And mom said she felt her knees go weak. Guys, I literally just got used to the idea that I was having a kid at all. And they were like, oh, you're having twins. And mom but... said she was afraid to tell Graham. I know. Poor Graham. All right. So just then, Laura comes running in. She tells them, Grandma and Grandpa Holbrook are coming to see Mary's baby. And Mary start, and Mary's the one who says, we haven't seen them since they left the big woods. And I'm like, could you imagine it being that long? For you to see your parent, like your grandparents. I know. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. At the Ingalls, Carolyn and Charles are in bed. Oh, and this she's, is ridiculous. She's super excited to see her mother tomorrow. And Grandma Holbrook doesn't tolerate idleness, Jen. Oh my God. Well, she's pretty like idle now. Not... Spoiler alert. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't, I could not hang out with this woman. I would like be slapping her. And her father is Dear Sweet Pa. Now, didn't you do an index card on them? Isn't this really her stepfather? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Carolyn says she's never seen two people more in love than her parents. And Charles is like, what's going on here? And then they have this weird scene where they make out. But it's like, But it's like a make out like that five-year-olds would do where you don't even open your mouth what five-year-olds are making out (laughs) like when you pretend kiss somebody when you're a kid you're like "Mm," well that's because she was real real mad at them by this time yeah there's no mouth open guys it is a long weird kiss i just have charles is jealous that he's not the center of her world for a split second yeah it's so weird Oh, God. And then All she right. talks about walnut cake, which sounds delicious. Oh, What's probably is delicious. Could you imagine? Where did we go to that restaurant? Didn't we have a walnut cake? You An take... olive oil cake? Oh, the olive oil cake. Uh, right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The next day, Charles is at the train station waiting for Grandma and Grandpa Holbrook, and he's got a big smile on his face. And then they pull a coffin off the train. I'm and like, he, and he's kind of like, okay, whatever, and like walks by it. And then he's like getting more and more worried because <laughs> he's walking down the thing. So, so I wrote because I don't know positions of train people. I wrote the train dude, some train dude. I don't think yeah. it's a conductor. 
tells Charles that Mrs. Holbrook died en route, and Charles is like, what? He's like, not, I mean, that side swiped him. Like, he was not expecting that. And they're like, basically, like, what do you want to do with the body? And then I wrote, Did I just Holy... say that that side swiped him? That blindsided him? What am I <laughs> saying? I can't talk today. Jesus. Jenny, I wrote, holy shit, Charles is going to arrive home with Carolyn's dead mother in the back of the wagon. I wrote, they seriously cannot have anything. Oh, my God. Could yeah. you imagine, like, if Doreen pulled up for thanksgiving dinner and we went out and she's like sorry your dad died in route <laughs> and he's like there's a coffin in the truck well, i mean in those days like you couldn't call anyone you could like what's he gonna do send word like i would have telegrammed her yeah but i would have parked at the wagon up at the top of the hill because like that was a harsh way to find out it was and walked down and, and tell walked her. down and told her yeah 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 Yep. <laughs> Parking at the top of the driveway. <laughs> that was such a harsh way to find out. Yeah, so Carolyn, all happy, runs around to the back of the wagon Mom. and literally finds a coffin there. God. I Holy feel like that's shit. like The Sims, right? Where you're like walking to the house and there's like a tombstone in the backyard. <laughs> she breaks down sobbing. Oh my God. It was real bad. That was bad. Cut to them burying the mother with Rev giving a funeral prayer. The whole earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, whatever. And then I wrote, and I don't know why I wrote this right here, but I did. I wrote, Mary has some real weird karma around her. Because they were coming for Mary's baby. (sighs) This baby has some weird karma around it. Well, so does Mary, because she lost the last baby. Now she's got this baby. We know he's dying. Right. She killed her grandmother <laughs> to come out and see the baby. Okay. She just has weird karma around her. If I were Laura, I'd stay the fuck just away from her. Fuck away. Yeah. I mean, Laura killed a bunch of people in the earlier seasons. She did. She did. <laughs> so now we have a Laura voiceover, and she says, In the weeks that followed, Grandpa Holbrook stayed in the Saudi. He was frightened and depressed, and he just seemed to be hanging out and waiting to die. So this right. was so, so weeks have passed. Mary's still have passed. nine months pregnant. Yep. It's dinner time and Grandpa won't eat, so Carolyn heads out to chat with him in the Saudi. So I, we need to name the Saudi because if the barn is the drama barn, I think it's like, the Depression it, Cove. Isn't this the second <laughs> grandfather that's moped? Yes, in the yes. in the Saudi. Yes, I think it should be the Severe Depression Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or it could be the Mental Health Saudi. Well, and I just, there's no mental health happening here. Oh, oh, I got it. It's the breakdown, Saudi. (laughs) The mental breakdown. People go there to have a breakdown. So I just have that men really, these men can't go on when their wives die. Like, they really can't. Do you blame them? Like, thank God women live longer, right? Yes. Because if men mostly lived longer, like, there'd just be a whole society of really depressed people. I I agree. A hundred percent. All right, Jen. So, um... Carolyn gets in there. She gets into the breakdown, Saudi. And she's like, I need you to eat. Because that's what they do. They have a breakdown. They in do. There. They have yeah. a breakdown. Yeah. It's a slow motion breakdown, Saudi. <laughs> so <laughs> Carolyn begs him to eat and tells him she can't lose him, too. And he's like, Life will go on. When I die, the universe will go on as if I was never here. No mark, no proof of my existence. And I'm because it's about his legacy, of course. Yep, I'm the yeah. last Holbrook, so not even my name will continue. And Carolyn tells him, like, please don't talk like this; it's upsetting me. Yeah, and he's like, 
then just don't listen. Leave me alone. He says, your mother's gone and nothing else matters. And I'm like, Jen, another Metallica reference. <laughs> this is three in the last two episodes. James Hatfield, were you sitting home watching this? Let us know, because you listen, we know. I could totally see Metallica being influenced by The House on the Prairie. <laughs> the next day, Carolyn is headed into town, and she and Albert have a Tom Sawyer fight. Did you get this? I'm like, what book is he talking about? Because he's complaining about reading a book, right? Yes. Yep. And, she, and she's like, you just can't read Tom Sawyer all the time. He I'm has like, to is read... this the Red Badge of Courage? Like, no, what awful he has to read Silas Marner. Mm-hmm. So Charles tells her, Pa Holbrook... Oh, so first they have a fight about Tom Sawyer. Um, Carolyn's saying, you can't sit around and read Tom Sawyer all day because that's the only book Albert likes. Yeah. And he's like, want to make a bet? Whatever. Okay. So Charles tells her, Pa Holbrook hasn't eaten all day. All right, fine. They head off to town. Well, and they they... they also make reference that three weeks has... Another three weeks has passed. Mm -hmm. They head off to town, Jen, and they leave the depressed, suicidal man at home with the kids. I mean, Mary is now ten and a half months pregnant. <laughs> Albert decides he's going to head up to Grandpa and ask if he could fill him in on Silas Marner. Because Grandpa walks outside and sits on the little breakdown soddy porch. Mm-hmm. And this kid, like, of course the kid has to go up and talk to him. Like, pe- these kids can't leave you alone. So, as we know, it's kind of my job on the pod to fill in the literary references. Okay. So, I just have a note here. Now, I have not read Silas Marner. I'm familiar with it, but I have not read it. It's by George Eliot, who, of course, was Marianne Stevens, and her pen name was George Eliot. So, the plot is basically, it was written in 1861, so it would have been kind of new at this time. I mean, no, it would be 20 years old. That's new in literature, Jane. Sure. That's good. That's true, because they do reference Plato's Republic. Yes. So the basic theme of it is uh, a wrongfully co- someone's wrongfully convicted. Silas Marner is wrongfully convicted of stealing some church money. Flees, becomes a well-off weaver who raises someone else's kid, and it's real fucking depressing. Just reading the plot, I was like, this is really depressing. Goes back to his town, everyone's dead. Wow. It's really sad. All right, so Albert says, reading sucks, and he wishes he went to school when Grandpa did. Um, did Grandpa not read? Were there not books then? (laughs) Grandpa says, look, we did our fair share of reading boring shit. I don't like all this negative talk about reading. He's like, we we had to read Plato's Republic. And I'm like, how old is this guy? (laughs) I know. They had a boy in their class named Cornelius T. Sherwood. And he read all of Plato's Republic in less than three days. So, The Republic is a Socratic dialogue authored by Plato around 375 B.C. Um, I wanted to see how long it was, because he was really surprised that this kid read it in three days. Isn't it like ten books or something? So, it's it's ten books, but mm-hmm. it looks like it is about, depending on the edition that you get from wh- which publisher, it ranges between 500 and 600 pages. That's oh, a pretty okay. big book. No, it's not. I've read books that are a thousand pages. Yeah, but for a kid to read, that's... And it's Plato? It's Plato. It's pretty that's good. That's what makes it yeah. tough, right? It is, um, it's his best-known work, and it has proven to be one of the world's most influential works of philosophy and political theory. Okay. So, whenever they get a signed book, they would all chip in a penny and go fishing, while Cornelius, who they call Corny, would read the book and tell them what it was about. And I'm like, I fucking missed out on my calling. I could have been doing this altar school. 
this kid is basically Cliff Notes, and yes. Albert loves this business model. He <laughs> totally appreciates this. Jenny, I could have been doing this. Instead, I was writing love poems for people for $2. Okay. You never asked me to write one for you. No. No. Okay. But the boys in my class would be like, can you write a poem for this girl for Valentine's Day for me? Oh, Lord. Yes. So I was I was doing a freelance business even in middle school. I was doing a freelance business in middle school. We were charging people money. Because remember they made us cover our books with brown paper mm-hmm. book covers? We would, me and my friend Heather charged money to like do a graffiti style like name, your name mm-hmm. or whatever you wanted or design on your book. You also had a small freelance business when you were charging me $20 to drive me to the mall. I mean, that was just extortion. Which, which was two miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? I wonder if that's a Gen X thing that we were all running businesses. <laughs> okay. So, Corny read the book and would tell them what it was all about. And Albert's like, I love this. He loves I'm it. all about this. It. Albert said he would love to start his own business and get rich like Corny. But Grandpa tells him Corny never got rich because his weakness was woman. women. He'd spend all his money on hookers and blow. Oh, I mean candy and flowers. Candy and flowers. Didn't you think that's where this was going? It's like... All right. So Charles and Carolyn return home, and Laura tells them Albert and Grandpa are gone for a walk, and Grandpa said to set a place for him at the table tonight. And they... Carolyn is like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. And Charles is like, I told you so. Albert I told you worked, so. Albert has worked his magic. He is the motherfucking fixer. He is, and we'll see this more oh, later. Oh, yeah. This was so good. That night, Grandpa's sitting in the rocking chair with Grace on his lap, and he's holding court. He's, like, telling everyone stories of Carolyn as a child. And the kids start pestering Grandpa to write a book, and he's like, okay, how hard can it be? Now, I want to talk about this for one minute. I have an index card. <laughs> okay. Okay. Was is Laura... it going to be on fucking cheesy publishers that I hate? Vanity Press? Yep. No. Yep. Was Laura Ingalls Wilder's father a writer? Grandfather oh, a writer. Okay. Some have speculated that Wilder inherited her writing town from her great-grandfather. So this would not have been her grandfather. No. I found no evidence that her grandfather was actually a writer. So I think they're, like, loosely basing this yeah, on sure. this. Samuel Worthen Ingalls, he was on Paw's side, known as the unlearned poet throughout the western New York region where he lived. Some of Ingalls' poems survive in files at the Cuban Historical Society in Cuba, New York, home of many of Laura Ingalls Wilder's ancestors and the birthplace of her father, Charles Ingalls. Samuel, who settled in western New York sometime after 1818, wrote poems with big blustery titles like, oh, you're going to hate this. Oh, boy. Lines written on the grand hail and windstorm that passed through the counties of Allegheny in the spring of 1894. Okay, you cannot tell me that somebody who writes a title like that is a poet who understands that poetry is about the economy of words. You can't be verbose and be a poet. Well, is all poetry about the economy of words? That There's a lot of extra words in that title that don't need to be there. And also... Lines written on David D. Howe, who was executed at Angelica County. Printed in 1894 in a collection of poems called Rhymes of an Unlearned Poem, these works suggest that the formidable puritanical father in Little House in the Big Woods story of Grandpa and the Pig was equally formidable and puritanical in his writing. They also suggest that he himself, as something of a chronicler of events, wait, hold on, 
They also suggest that he saw himself as something of a chronicler of events, weather, landscape, and people of his region. That's dumb. Okay. <laughs> My only point with this. <laughs> I mean, it's history. I mean, My only point with you, this is So that... what you do is you make... I understand that a lot of people probably didn't know that dude died. So, like, he had to, you know, put it in the poem somewhere. So you put it in the poem. You but don't put that it was in the title. Style, but I think that was his style. Okay. All right. I, guys, I'm real particular about poetry, and I am not uh, saying I'm right go. at all. Here my taste go. probably sucks, and my opinions probably suck. I'm just saying I got an opinion on it, period. Okay. okay. Anything else? No, you may carry on with whatever you were going to gripe about. I was going to gripe about... I love how people think it's so easy to write a book. <laughs> well, I mean... It's people think it's easy to do all kinds of things in the arts, like design their own website, like design their own logo. And guys, if you are a writer, I will guarantee you have at least three relatives who keep telling you you should write a book about their life and they don't live a very interesting life. Whose relatives are asking them this? I can't. I, I want, can't name I on want, air. <laughs> I feel like. Here, I'm going to write it down and show you on I camera. Feel like, okay, but this, I feel like that's. This person tells <laughs> me to write a book about their life. <laughs> I feel like most families are not doing that. Oh. Babies come at us if, you're, if there's people in your family asking you to write books about their life. Okay, so that was person one. This is person <laughs> two asking me to write a book about Graham's life. Okay. Okay. And I'm like, number one, Graham will haunt me from the grave oh if I write gosh, a book about her life. Oh my gosh, she would not life. be okay with that. She would no, not be okay no. with that. Number no. two, the woman never stepped foot outside of Graham, Pennsylvania. <laughs> what am I going to write about? Like, they just don't <laughs> like understand. Like the laundry, like the line she put up in the backyard? Like, what are you going to write about? First of all, the, the just hubris to be like, you need to write a book about my life. Well, Graham's not saying that, though, to be fair. Right, but the other person is. <laughs> okay. Like, would you just assume that your life was that interesting that somebody no, should write a book about it? No, and my life is interesting, and I don't think somebody should write a book about it. Oh my god, it's just so crazy. You want, guys, Gen X pro tip. <laughs> you want a book written about your life? Write, write it yourself. your fucking self. <laughs> god damn. Okay, let me move on. So Amy Ooh. will not be writing any biographies I think I was soon. in the rage corner for a minute. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. So, Grandpa... Now we have Grandpa writing a book montage, Jen. Yeah, Grandpa's writing a remembrance book. In the breakdown, shoddy. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we see Carolyn and Laura, and they're reading some of the pages, and they're laughing so hard, and Carolyn is reading parts in bed and laughing. Can we discuss... I I wrote that... Is Grandpa's a regular David Sedaris? Do you like David Sedaris? I love David Sedaris. I, I don't know why I thought of this when I said David Sedaris or wrote it down. But you know me talk pretty one day. It's one of his, yep. like, I guess I think it's one of his later books, but I think it's probably. It's his second book, I think, after Naked. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Maybe it's one third. of his earlier books. And uh, the best was, there was a story. They're all, like, kind of short stories. And that was when was... he traveled abroad. Yes. And mm-hmm. he's in French class. And mm-hmm. French class was basically, like, there was a whole bunch of people who spoke all different languages, and they're all trying to learn French together. Yeah. And they have to explain mm-hmm. to a girl in the class what Easter is. Yes. Do you remember Easter that story? Bunny. Yes. <laughs> that is the funniest story. I'll try to find it somewhere online. When, it is 
the funniest story because none of them speak the same language. Right. So they're all trying to struggle through French. And they all have different and they all have different cultural ideas (laughs) of religion. When they're talking about Jesus, they're like the guy with long hair or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stabbed himself because they don't know how to speak French. One of my favorite stories is from Naked and it's when Naked is more guys like focuses on his childhood and his relationship with the siblings. And one of them kept wiping their ass on a towel, and it had a brown spot, and they were, like, trying to figure out who was wiping their ass on towel. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. It, it's so funny. And mm-hmm. I think this is also naked when he has the art show and his mother goes to the art show. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. It's hilarious. He's very good. Hey, um, you should write a you should write a book. Jen! About... <laughs> <laughs> I'll write the fucking book I want to write. Okay. Okay. Uh, my writing is not for commission. Well, I wasn't could, pay it you. could be. For I wasn't right going to pay you. <laughs> hold not, on, hold on. Cavi- let's be clear. I was caveat, not going to pay you. Caveat to my earlier point: for the right price, I'll write your life story. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. So, Carolyn's reading part. She's laughing. Charles likes it so much, Jenny. He's like, if we get this to the right people, they might publish it. And already, I'm like, this is going to a vanity press. Yes, Jenny. Thoughts on surprising you with the published version of your manuscript. Okay, I did write that. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I wrote, wait, Charles is going to send this to some publishers and get it published behind his back like a surprise? Nope. Nope. No, no nope. way. Uh-uh, no. The only good surprise would be, like, if I take Jenny to the Louvre and we're walking around and there's one of her paintings because I got it into the Louvre. That would be okay, right, Jenny? Well, because the painting was done and approved by me. Yes. Like, it was a complete, it would be like, you know, like me getting somebody to sell a book you already finished and said, this is done, here it is. Yeah. If you took a painting that was half done and gave it to the Louvre, 
I should still be okay with that. Yes. My <laughs> point is, it's the lube. Like, that would be the only acceptable. Right. Like, if right. you... Look, guys, if somebody took a copy of my manuscript and got it to Oprah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I would be okay with that. Oprah. You don't send it to some fucking vanity press. Oh, my God. You I don't, don't even, even like, know Charles if this... has no idea what he's doing. You don't even know if these, this guy wants this out there. It's a memoir. Yeah, I feel like this, uh, this is... Okay. I figured you'd flip out about this. I have a lot for this episode. All right. So then Charles gets jealous of a kiss Carolyn had when she was 10 years old. Not a good episode for Charles. I just have, why is Charles a giant baby in this episode? Because um, Michael Landon's a giant baby? <laughs> All right. So now some time lapses. Again, Jen, time lapses. Yeah. I mean, Mary's been pregnant for like a year and a half. <laughs> Carolyn, did you catch her? She's running home at scoop speed. Yep. She has a letter letter from a publisher who wants to publish the book. I immediately wrote, okay, Vanity who press. is this press? Vanity Why are press. they doing this? It's never this easy. It's never this easy. The dad is stunned, but it, yeah, this isn't like uh, John Jr. getting a poetry scholarship. Right. I mean, come on. Well, the and dad... also, don't forget this guy. Like, John Jr. was writing poems his whole life. Mm-hmm. This guy is like, here's my, this is classic, right? Here's my first <laughs> shot at a book. I'm just going to write it down. And of course they're going to publish it. I'm not suspicious of that at all. Yep, yep, yep. Of course. Of course they will. So the dad is stunned, but he's excited because he's like, whoa, how did a publisher get my book? <laughs> but he's also excited. And then he's dancing around and happy that he'll be remembered. And Jenny... This is so funny because I'm so conditioned to bizarre tragedies and stuff on this show. I immediately thought the the grandfather was going to get angry and start freaking out and breaking yes. down. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that. And then the other thing is when I heard the fiddle playing and they're all happy and dancing, I'm like... Something's going to burn down. I'm like, Somebody's is that the die. fiddle playing or is that the sound of music of impending doom? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, also... Uh, this is where the father yells, I'm an author, an author. So that's our oh, fucking title. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. Michael Landon, do better. Yeah. Okay. So cut to Mary and Adam. And I wrote, Mary still hasn't had this goddamn baby. Somebody else was pregnant like that. Was it? Carolyn. It was Carolyn. Yeah. Somebody was pregnant yeah. for like two years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mary wakes Adam up in the middle of the night to have a picnic. This was so dumb. I knew you were going to freak out. This was so dumb. He's like, what are you talking about? She's hungry. There's cold chicken downstairs. Okay, you have me so far, Mary. I'm with you here. You wake up. You're maybe sleeping off some drunkness. You're pregnant. Whatever's going on. You wake up in the middle of the night. You know that that KFC, that leftover KFC is down there in that (laughs) kitchen. And you're like, I got to get to it. So you just fucking get up and go to it. You don't say I want to have a picnic. So I just wrote... (laughs) Mary wants to have a picnic. Is that a sex thing? Is there a picnic kink I don't know about? <laughs> There's probably KFC kink that we don't know about. And then I just wrote in giant capital letters, go eat the fucking chicken, Mary. What the fuck? Why is this so complicated? <laughs> Adam, just go make her a plate. Done. <laughs> so he goes down to get the chicken. And when he gets back, she's asleep. And I wrote, why are they wasting our time with this? And also, the chicken was not cold. It was room temperature. It was room temperature just covered with a napkin. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, I don't know. The seat's completely useless. They took a lot of cho- chances with refrigeration back then. Okay. 
Charles is at the post office now grabbing the mail, and Grandpa Holbrook's contract has come. So he got the letter first, Mm -hmm. saying, we love you, we're publishing you. Jen, this happened to me. This happened to me. I just remembered this. When When I was like 12, I wrote my first poem. Oh, boy. Guys, it was real dark. It was called The Dark Room, and it was real dark. <laughs> and I don't know how, but I think I may have entered it into a contest. Oh, anyway. was this like that, that like, best poetry I, I will never forget the name of it. It was Sparrowgrass Poetry Forum. I'll never forget the name okay. of it. All right. They're like, yeah, we'll publish it for 10 bucks. Dad paid the 10 bucks, and then he let me... Get it published. I mean, ten bucks is like so. I fell victim that, to this, but ten dollars. Like, I feel like ten dollars is like that's a reasonable amount of money. That's like could be a fee for people to review things, right? Ten dollars, sure. But like they, this place is charging thirty-two, which is the equivalent of eight hundred. Guys, no. Gen X writer pro tip: Don't pay what? a dime ever. Why is it a Gen X writer pro tip? Do not pay a dime ever to get your writing published. Now, there will be contests, there will be reading fees, those are yeah, different. They're, they're you little, submit they're your a small amount. Right? right, you submit your manuscript with $30, you know, $100, whatever, for them to read it. Because they pay, they pay the people who are reading mm-hmm. all these things. Yep. Even that is rare, mm-hmm. but it happens. That's more common in the art world. Yeah. Don't but it's, ever, like, it's like $20. Don't ever pay people. somebody to publish your writing. Once it's like, once you get into like hundreds and thousands of dollars, that's a vanity gallery, that's a vanity press, Mm -hmm. that's a vanity situation. Now, a book will cost you money. I have spent more money than I've ever made on my books (laughs) by promoting them and traveling and stuff like that. Because presses, you know, unless you're like Neil Patrick Harris coming out with a memoir, you're not going to get any kind of promotional budget. Right. But don't ever, don't ever pay somebody to have them publish All right, are we done with this? Yes. All right, so Charles, yeah, he's not looking too happy. And he <laughs> no, grabs. Like, Wait, I'm Did he catch this, though? Miss Foster tells him the whole town is excited about his father's, his father-in-law's book. Yep. But Mrs. Olson's jealous. Of course. Wow. Wow. Charles takes the contract to Eliza Jane because she's a teacher. And she's helping him to understand it. And she's like, oh, my God. It says you have to pay $32 to publish this book. Oh, my God. I wish you came to me first. This is ridiculous. <laughs> right. She's like, like, don't do this. Wow. Okay, Eliza Jane. Charles goes home. He tells Carolyn. And they're talking about how sad they are. And he's like, I guess I just have to go tell him. Jen, what's the equivalent $32? I just said $800. Mm. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. The next morning, Charles is heading up to break down Shoddy. <laughs> He's got horrible news. But he finds Grandpa Holbrook in a great mood. And he's like writing letters, like you do, to a bunch of people bragging about his book. And I wrote, this is literally the only thing keeping this dude alive. Can we raise $32? Yep. Charles ta- agrees to take his letters to the post office for Holbrook and says he'll check for the contract. Now, apparently, this man never sees the contract. No. Okay. Uh, Gen X writer pro tip. Review the contract. <laughs> well, I mean, this could be the kind of situation, though. Like, did Graham see all her Medicare stuff? No, you probably dealt with it. Yes. No, I dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. Graham right. knew nothing. Okay. Yeah. Like, she's not going to read all it. That's probably that kind of situation. 
Charles tells Carolyn they're going to have to raise the money, period. He's like, it just has to happen. And he's like, I just bought this new plow. I could sell it for 25 bucks. Haven't even used it. He clearly doesn't know anything about return policies. <laughs> and so they decide they're going to head to the city to sell the plow. And he's bringing Laura and Albert with well, them. Well, it's not an accident that he brought Albert. Because he knows Albert's going to shyster someone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Paws, while Pa is selling the plow at a loss and get ripped off... Albert, why doesn't Pa just sell it to somebody on the street then? Don't sell it to the store. Well, and I'm like, just let Albert loose in the city. He'll make $10 in an hour. Guys, if the store is selling plows for $25, stand out on the front porch and sell yours for $22. Yeah. Like, he can't, (laughs) the store can't buy it for $25. Right. They have to sell it for $25. Yes. Yep. So Albert's big plan is to beg people on the street for money. So he and Laura pose as fire victims (laughs) and orphans. I love how Laura just goes right in. She's in. in. She's She's in right in. Mm -hmm. So at Nellie's, now we're back in Walnut Grove and we're at Nellie's. Carolyn comes in and she's like, can I work during the week? Because now apparently Carolyn only works weekends. She moved to only work on weekends. But she doesn't work on the Lord's Day. So that means she works one day a week. Yep. Okay. Unless they consider Friday weekend, maybe? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So, Nell, Nellie's in there and she's cooking. And she's like, I don't know. I set a very high standard of cuisine here. But Nell's is like, uh, throw on an apron, Karen, let, Carol, Carolyn, let's go. Yeah. So, later that night, the family counts the money they've earned. And there's $29 there. And then Albert pipes up and says, wait a minute, I got your back, I got the rest. And he and Laura literally dump, like, pennies onto the table. Well, and Mom and Pa are like, how'd you get this money? And then they're, like, a vet, like after, like, a minute, they're like, mm, never mind. We don't yeah, want we them. don't care. Mm-hmm. A few days later, Jen, the books are here and everyone's excited. It's called My Book of Memories. Sometime Why wasn't later, that the title of the episode? So I am. This money was sent to this place. Mm-hmm. They made these books, which was not an easy thing in those days. Mm-hmm. They shipped them to Walnut Grove. Mm-hmm. Mary still hasn't had that kid. Yep. Yep. She's 12 months pregnant now. (laughs) So, Jenny, I wrote, these books are probably a mess. I can't even imagine it's been proofread or edited. It's probably a mess. It's a mess. Cut to Albert and Charles, and they're at Olson's now. And they're trying to get Harriet to stock the book. Harriet is such a bitch. And I feel like Charles doesn't understand, like, because he says something about... The grandfather says something about a reprinting, and Charles is like, oh, let's come up with another. It's like, dude, sell the books for a profit. Does he not understand how to do right, that? Right, right. I don't know. I don't know. Harriet refuses to stock it. Nels is pointless and can do nothing but apologize to her. Nels! Nels is such a spineless ass. I don't advocate murder, but I think I would murder Harriet Yeah. at this point. So, Jen, who fixes this? The fucking baller, Albert. Albert, the fixer, goes back in the store and he tells Harriet the book is embarrassing to Carolyn. And Harriet's like, what? It's a smut book? But he's like, thank you. I knew you would understand and not and not sell it. Yeah, I don't want my baller. He's like, I don't want my ma to be embarrassed. There's a chapter in there in which Carolyn goes to town and she's not wearing any clothes. Albert is a goddamn mastermind. He really is. Harriet decides she's going to run out and demand to buy all the books right now. And Charles is like, what? Here's the cash. Yeah. And Albert's like, women, who could figure them out? Love him. Later, Harriet's in bed reading said chapter. And it turns out Carolyn was only a baby without her diaper on. So Albert didn't lie. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. 
Nels thinks this is hilarious. Oh, glad you could chime in now, Nels, with your fucking conscience. Oh my God, cut to Mary in labor. I wrote, the structure of this episode is horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, sorry. Mary tells Adam, go get Doc Baker. The whole family heads over. Do you like Hester Sue doing the, the scoop speed? Scoop speed. Yep. She pulls up to the Ingalls and just starts shouting, come on, <laughs> let's go, babies do, and runs off. <sighs> so the whole family heads over, and it is a cute little boy. And I wrote, oh my God, is this the baby Albert kills? Yes, it is. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's, guys, <laughs> we've been spoiling it all along, but this baby dies in a fire. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? He's so sweet, the baby. They name him Adam Charles Holbrook Kendall. Grandpa holds the baby and says when Grandma died, he thought his life was over. But now he's an author and he's a great grandpa and you've made this old man very happy. And Jen, I'm embarrassed to admit I was crying. Oh my God. Tears were streaming down my face. I don't know what is wrong with me, guys. All right. So the family is seeing Grandpa off. And it just occurred to me that this is probably the last time Carolyn will ever see her father. Oh, yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Like, what if when you get on the bus on Monday, you know you're not going to see Dad for another 12 years? (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) So then we have a Laura voiceover telling us two years after leaving the station, Grandpa Holbrook died. And his tombstone read, Frederick Holbrook, author. Okay. And he will always be remembered. That's it, Jen. End of episode. Whose fucking fault is this? Mary and Adams. Mary and Adams. Because they're having the baby. That's why they all came to town. Well, I to- I'm telling you, Mary has a dark cloud over her. <laughs> Do you believe that some people have that? No. Like that they just kind of have a bad energy around them? <laughs> like something that is... Like, put upon them by some external force? No, 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 no. That there's just, maybe because of the way they act in the world, that there's just a bad energy around them. Sure. I know people like that. I'm telling you, Mary's one of them. What was their name on that list? (laughs) Let me get the list. (laughs) (laughs) The two people on this list. (laughs) Okay. I have, um, I don't have anybody's fault down. Why don't I have this down? I'm going to say it's Charles. You shouldn't publish somebody's book behind their back. I'm going to totally do that to you. When I'm at your house this weekend, I'm going to like dig up some like poems you have written somewhere and try to get them published. Do not. Please do not. All right, Jen. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on a theme or a lesson or something we took with us from the original watch or the rewatch. Talk about how it affected us as adults or as teenagers or children or just people in the world. We call it our why. It's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why for this episode? This is why we thought anything good. I mean, I feel like I have the same version. I've had you the do. same why. You do. You got to step it up. But this is why we thought anything <laughs> that you had, that you like got awarded or like achieved, had Was some fake. kind of catch, had some kind of catch to it. Right. Like, what's the catch? What's the catch? And it's like, no, you just got accepted into college. What's the catch? <laughs> but doesn't that kind of fall under don't trust anyone? Um, Don't trust anything, little, anyone? It's slightly different. It's slightly different. Mm, I feel like you're phoning in your wise. Oh. It's just, it's such a heavy theme that they keep beating us down with. It's hard to avoid it. It really is. Okay, so mine's sappy. 
Oh, great. Can't wait. So I have, this is why I'm happy I didn't move to the West Coast when we wanted to. So if you remember, Timmy and I wanted to move to the West Coast. 2015, I think. I don't know when that was. And we were going to, but things turned out that we didn't. And I wrote, not only did I have a very precious two years with my gram, which I would have been gone for. um, And I would not trade that for anything in the world. Like, if I had left, I would have, and she died when she did, I would have assumed I killed her. Well, you would have left right before she died. Yes. And I would have assumed I killed her. Yep. And I would have been devastated. Maybe even the talk of it killed her. Like, my whole life. Shut up, Jenny. (laughs) But also, my children got to know her. And they also got to grow up around their own grandparents. Mm -hmm. This is Amy's therapy talk for how I have come to accept the fact that I have lived in this area. (laughs) I have to really work hard to find the positives. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, so my kids got to be raised around their grandparents. And I cannot stress enough how precious a grandparent is. They would, they would have had a relationship with them. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Many people live away from their parents yeah. and their kids yeah. have wonderful relationships with their grandparents. It's different though if you live there. Sure. But it's different and it would not have been like it is. And Jenny and I were very close to our grandmothers mm-hmm. and they are not the only ones who benefit. Like I truly believe my gram like lived for my kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I would call her guys in the middle of the day. Anytime I called her, right? Phone would ring. <laughs> Wait, let she, me guess what she was doing. Looking at a picture of the girls. No, 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 no. She, she would, used to do that. I would call her and she'd be looking at a picture of your girls. I would call her. First of all, she would not talk to anyone else because she had to keep the line free, she said, because she didn't have double line. She had to keep the line free for me to call to bring the girls, even if I didn't have a plan to bring them. So I would call her and I'd go, Graham, what are you doing? She goes, waiting for my beauties to come over. She was literally sitting there waiting for me to bring the kids over from morning to night. But Jenny, speaking of pictures, I found a picture the other day that I have to dig up again and put in the Mimi V's. Do you remember when you had your art show in New York and all of us came? Dad came, Timmy came, I came. It's that we have the picture from it where Timmy and Dad are holding up the picture of my girls. Was it a photography show or a painting show? It was the painting show. It was the one right when you were getting divorced. The pieces of you show. Okay. 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 Um, we all came to that show, right? So you and I got our picture taken together at that show. Mm-hmm. And we gave Graham a copy of the that picture. That was the one where you did the poetry reading for it. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We, um, we took a picture of us at that show. And I gave Graham a copy of it. And guess what she did? Hmm. She put it in her mirror in her bedroom. Like, you know how you tuck a picture on the side of the mirror? But it was, it kept sliding down. So guess what she did? Threw it away. She folded it, and she folded you out of the picture. <laughs> Just me. Nice. So there's this picture of me in her bedroom mirror, and I'm like, Graham, Jenny's on the other side of that fold. She goes, oh, she is? <laughs> she literally took you out of the picture. Oh, my God. To put so me there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe she just flipped it occasionally and stuck it on the yeah. other side, but I don't know. Think... She probably had it marked on her calendar when she had to flip it. I think she just stared at me the whole time, personally. <laughs> but she was obsessed with my girls. Like, that's what oh she God, would do. Yeah. She would just sit totally there and was. wait for me to bring them over. So that yeah. that was her thing. All right, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what are we doing next? 
Hey guys, Amy here. We had a slight change to our schedule, so I'm just inserting this later. We are actually next week going to be covering Season 6, Episode 14, The Werewolf of Walnut Grove. So the description reads, School bully Bart begins menacing his classmates, especially Albert. Tired of the constant harassment, Albert creates a papier-mâché werewolf mask to terrorize Bart into ceasing his bullying behavior. It works until Carrie opens her trash mouth. So that's what's coming up next. Now back to the show. All right, guys. So if you haven't already, check out our Facebook group. It's called The Mimi Bees. And we have fun in there. We uh, post stuff and keep you updated on what we're doing. And we can also talk about episodes that we watch. Also, we're on Instagram at Gen X This Is Why, and you can join our Patreon for some bonus content. What are we doing on Patreon? This is going to air in December. So in December, we're doing Gremlins. So if you want to hear us talk about Gremlins and how fucking cute Gizmo is. And then coming up in January, we're doing another Love Boat, and we're going to do Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. That's fun. We're also, can I can I tease our new project that we're working on something, or should I not? Go on. Also, Jenny and I are working on something, guys. Uh, it's going to be something different. And Is it that different? It's different because we're not watching media. That's true. And talking about it. I mean, it's still us talking into microphones. It's not like... We're doing it, a, it a, is. a live action. It like is. film. It is. But some of you have come at us and you're like, we like to hear you guys talk about concepts and things rather than shows and movies sometimes. I don't so know we're who gonna do a are. we're going to do a lecture on string theory. We are not doing a lecture. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're going to do a close-up look at some of the fads and trends from Gen X and some of the players and some things. And we're... We're briefly kind of looking at it like this is very tentative. Like Gen X, this was a thing, you know? And so our first episode, hopefully, of that is going to air in the spring, early spring next year. So we're working on that. That's coming up. So uh, stay with us and let us know, you know, how you feel about that. If you're like, this is going to be a disaster, don't even try. Sounds boring. Maybe I'll just curl up and go to bed. (laughs) Sounds boring. Just go watch Love Boat. Um, All right, guys, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.